Hi there, I'm trying to read this article that keeps snapping on uh, parentzetalk.com. What health condition? Netflix Jim and Andy the Great Beyond, which shows his process playing uh, Andy Kaufman in the 1999 film Man on the Moon. Speaking to ET Canada, the Dumb and Dumber actor got existential. I thought I had become Andy Kaufman, but then I realized there was no me. At the end of the it all, I realized this character was making choices to play the char- a character. So that's what happened and what Chris found in this interview and footage. It was like an existential, not a crisis, but a discovery. Fans expressed their concerns for his mental health. Years later, he attempted to explain that moment, saying that we're all trying to add things to ourselves so we can finally define ourselves and everyone will get us and go on. Oh, this is what you are, and if you actually get there, you will find yourself until you'll realize that's so not what it's about. Diagnosed with ADHD and depression. Um, Battled depression for most of his life. In 2018, he told the Herald Sun that it nearly cost him to leave, caused him to leave Hollywood years ago. Depression is caused by your body. And it's like becoming exhausted with who you are trying to portray in the world. He said at that time. It occurred to me one day you've been out of the business for five years. You left. The only thing keeping you here is this physical avatar. Famous fleeting. Sounds totally normal to me. You know, he's, he's just a deep thinker. He's a fucking genius. Um, right, so let's parent Z talk. I was reading it in Metro. Hmm. I'm growing up poor and improvising movies. Jeez, I'm a stone anyway. He made a he made a video saying about how beautiful she was. Like an actress, oops, various accolades. Things are honest. Yeah. 
Okay. Ordinary Chica. 35. She's in Scottsdale. She's famous for The Help, Birdman, Amazing Spider-Man, and La La Land. Okay. You know, I wanted to, um... According to The Atlantic, ah. one of the still resonant messages of The Truman Show is that mass media has a way of making men simply becoming reality. Truman Show tried to warn us. It's okay to not be okay. In fact, I would say most people aren't okay. Most people carry around emotional baggage. Then who am I? You're the star. The Truman Show is that rare it's film that feels take. even more relevant today than when it came out. Amid the growing influence of 90s reality shows like MTV's The Real World, the 1998 film predicted the way social media and reality TV would come to dominate our lives. An entire human life recorded on an intricate network of hidden cameras and broadcast live and unedited 24 hours a day. This story about a man who doesn't know his life is filmed and broadcast live to a large audience portrays a media experience that's not too far from the feel of numerous shows and apps today. It foreshadowed our present landscape of oversharing. Feels like the whole world revolves around me somehow. Which often encourages us to act like the entire world does revolve around us. A lot of world for one man, Truman. The Truman Show has also influenced our culture. I've reached a point in my life where my Truman Show boat has hit the painting. Even giving rise to a mental condition called the Truman Show delusion, which refers to people's paranoia that they're unknowingly starring in a covert reality show. The patients that I've treated have that experience. They feel that their family, friends are actors. Yet the message the Truman Show actually sends is that we should fight back against the impulse to reduce our lives to hyper-controlled artificial narratives. The film exposes how turning real life into entertainment can dehumanize people. Look at what you've done to him! And reminds us that privacy is a valuable, even essential component of an authentic life. Never had a camera in my head. Here's our take on why it's chilling to watch The Truman Show today and reckon with whether we've ignored its warnings. I like your pen. I was wondering that myself. Hi everyone, I'm Susanna. And I'm Deborah. And you're watching The, the Take. Secure Stalker. Hi there. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University. Hi everyone, I'm Susanna. And I'm Deborah. And you're watching The, the Take. Be sure to share and subscribe and never miss a take. We all know how jealously you guard your privacy. Today, social media allows each of us to star in our own personal Truman Show. The difference being that, in most cases, we control them ourselves without a Christoph director type pulling the strings for an unknowing Truman. It's our hero show. Many people now live like Truman by choice, making almost every aspect of their private existence public knowledge. 
And we have something exciting that we want to share with you. But the Truman Show points to central questions that we need to be asking ourselves in this climate. What's lost when you no longer have privacy? <sighs> there is no difference between a private life and a public life. And if you live life with others always watching, is it possible to live authentically? How can you even know if you're being authentically yourself? I was just so terrified of ever being boring. So I would do like 50 takes of the same line, like trying to get it to be a little bit funnier than it was before. The people who work on The Truman Show <laughs> insist that there's no difference between a reality show and the real world. There's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. But the movie itself disagrees. It underlines that in this completely fake environment, the elements of truth are what resonate most of all. Was nothing real? You were real. That's what made you so good to watch. The name Truman sounds like true man, reflecting that what makes Truman both refreshing entertainment and a compelling human being is that he's not trying to curate an image. He's just being himself. While the world he inhabits is in some respects counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman himself. The most affecting moments of The Truman Show, like Truman's collage portraits of Sylvia or his taking to the sea at the end, are not planned or manipulated. They're powerful because they're real. We've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. Truman's life might have a lot in common with reality TV and social media, but we almost never find actual Trumans on those mediums because people are conscious participants in broadcasting their lives, inevitably self-conscious, playing a part. And it's fitting that those public figures and creators who often appeal to us most are the ones who do, in some way, achieve the feeling of authenticity. Unlike Truman, who doesn't know he's being filmed, the other characters who knowingly take part in the show have sacrificed their personal lives and their integrity to their fictional roles. Truman's show is a lifestyle. While Truman's wife, Meryl, may view herself as an actor who's made a professional commitment, She's also given up the opportunity to have any kind of real home life in order to full-time play act a marriage with a man she doesn't like. Why do you want to have a baby with me? You can't stand me. And the fact is that many, if not most, people today are more like Meryl and the best friend character Marlon than we are like Truman. Because the majority have chosen to engage with sharing culture to some degree and perform our lives for a public. All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua? No artificial sweeteners. What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? It's eco-friendly. Basically, it looks like a tea bag. It smells like fresh coffee. It smells incredible. One of the Truman Show's insights, though, is that if you don't draw a line between your private and public life, the danger is not only losing the ability to decipher what's real or not, but also no longer even caring to know. Thus, nothing in your life will be real, and you won't even realize what you're missing. All those staggering revenues are generated by product placement. Everything on the show is for sale. From the actors' wardrobe, food products, to the very homes they live in. The Truman Show illustrates the dehumanizing effects of reality media, as well as the way viewers are complicit in this process. Meryl will be leaving Truman in an upcoming episode, and a new romantic interest will be introduced. I'm determined the television's first on-air conception will still take place. Director Peter Weir has said, quote, The viewers in my film are part of the monstrous exploitation of a person, to the point where they have lost the ability to differentiate between real and unreal. 
In theory, because reality TV and social media offer privileged views of people's intimate lives, peering through this window at their private humanity should make us more empathetic. You can tell us. But in practice, seeing human life turned into entertainment has the opposite effect. Viewers don't relate to the people we're watching as humans, but as props and tools for spectacle. 1.7 billion were there for his birth. 220 countries tuned in for his first step. The world stood still for that stolen kid. The Truman Show's entertainment value relies on the complete absence of humanity because Truman is being exploited, manipulated, and deceived by everyone he loves. And the last thing I'd ever do is lie to you. Trust me when I say that this is one of the easiest and tastiest weeknight meals. <laughs> this is rice cooker soy garlic wings with Instacart. This recipe only right, takes about right, 30 right, minutes. Right. But I... And the last thing I'd ever do is lie to you. And the last thing that I would ever do is lie to you. So the implied lesson is that both creating and watching reality TV can lead to major failures of empathy. I mean, think about it for a minute. If everybody is in on it, I'd have to be in on it too. The movie underlines the ethical transgressions that may be required to manipulate reality into gripping entertainment. He's not a performer, he's a prisoner. Modern reality TV frequently involves interference from producers guiding the participants to act and live their lives in a certain direction, from subtle suggestion to more active meddling. Did you leak this information online? the Truman Show, this is taken to a dark extreme. The creators condition a young Truman into developing a phobia of water by staging a storm that supposedly kills the boy's father. And the poor kid is even made to feel responsible. You're just feeling bad because of what happened. You sailing off into that storm. But I've never blamed you, Truman. And I don't blame you now. They prevent him from pursuing a romance with the woman he has deep feelings for. We still little time. They're gonna be here any minute. They don't want me talking to you. And near the end, in one of the most disturbing scenes in the film, Kristoff goes to such extremes to prevent his star from escaping the set that Truman has to risk killing himself. He's gonna drown, he doesn't even care. Meanwhile, the viewers who are glued to the screen watching Truman go overboard are also implicated in this ethical violation. The scene has an eerie parallel in real-world events that shortly preceded the film's release. In 1997, while the Truman Show was being edited, Princess Diana died in a car crash that was partly caused by the paparazzi pursuing her. The people that chased her through the, into the tunnel were the same people that were taking photographs of her while she was still dying on the back seat of the car. Weir has said, quote, if there had been cameras trained on her that last night, people would have gone on watching. In Weir's view, the paparazzi who followed Princess Diana were essentially working for the public who expressed with their wallets that they were hungry for this kind of media coverage. If they're really mad at the paparazzi, don't buy the tabloid. Just don't buy it. This fascination with famous people's lives rarely comes from a hateful or malicious place. Weir has said, quote, The very people who were outraged at the perceived cause of her death, which were the paparazzi chasing the car, were the same people who bought the magazines and the sensational tabloid papers. They loved her, but they wanted to watch every moment of her life. If they had had a camera in her house, they would have had the viewership of The Truman Show or more. Likewise, in The Truman Show, there's a huge audience who adore Truman, yet who tune in every day to support a show they know treats him unethically. Why didn't you just follow her to Fiji? His mother got sick. You'll just fix it. Didn't believe her. He's kind. Maybe he's too kind. So the film reveals that while we may think we care about the people we watch through reality media, ultimately we're using them.
turning them into puppets for our own entertainment. I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation. Blurring the line between human life and entertainment makes it hard to see the people we're watching as real human beings who deserve privacy. We've already got this on the greatest hit state. A world all their own which isn't accessible to us. We can't let him die in front of a live audience. He was born in front of a live audience. This was something that people were grappling with in the late 90s, even beyond the media circuit surrounding Princess Diana. In 1998, after the Truman Show was completed, Daniel V. Jones was engaged in a standoff with police that ended with his suicide being broadcast on live TV, showing that even the rawest human suffering can be co-opted by entertainment. We saw a man kill himself on our air. We never meant that to happen. As we're noted, we all watched the Gulf War as if it were a television show. People were glued to their TVs during those days. Since then, we've only seen more and more examples of entertainment mixing with reality in perverse ways that endanger, cheapen, and even destroy human life. The decision to engage in that chase was driven more by a need to provide entertainment than it was to keep Williamson County residents safe. The Truman Show speaks to the desire for a more controlled reality. Nothing you see on this show is fake. It's merely controlled. While reality TV promises, as the name suggests, real life... It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It's a life. A big part of its actual allure is the way it filters and shapes reality into familiar and comforting narrative packages. In The Truman Show, the director Kristoff, whose name even contains the word Christ, exercises godlike control over Truman's life. Cue the sign. And the show creator is a kind of perverse father who exploits his son figure. I was watching when you were born. I was watching when you took your first step. I watched you on your first day of school. Who's even willing to sacrifice that son in the name of entertainment. You're gonna have to kill me! Christoph's clear talent for creating compelling TV out of the raw material of life underlines how the idea of adapting reality to fit a dazzling cinematic narrative is dangerously appealing. I am the creator of a television show that gives hope and joy and inspiration to millions. Likewise, in many of today's popular reality shows, episodes feel neatly plotted and edited into narratives with satisfying resolutions. In the season two, keeping up with the Kardashians episode, Kardashian Civil War, Kim's excitement over getting a Bentley gives way to crushing disappointment when her sisters don't behave with the decorum she expects for such an important day. You are so jealous. You are just so jealous that you cannot get a Bentley and you're trying to ruin my moment for me. But after their mom drags the girls on a family vacation to bond in the next episode. I don't feel like laughing, skiing, and snowboarding with them. And Kim dramatically considers leaving, but then decides not to. The art concludes with her being showered in feel-good sisterly love. so bad. I'm so sorry. I walk through the door and I definitely feel the love. While the sisters reflect that crucial lessons have been learned. It really made me realize we should not just pick on each other for the dumbest things. I feel really bad, but I also think it was a really good learning experience for me. Other reality shows, like The Bachelor, Big Brother, or Survivor, use a clearly defined competition or game format that makes this controlled state even more obvious. You say you feel like you were pegged as the villain. Do you feel like they set up kind of storyline? They know before you get there. They didn't show my sweet interviews or like me bonding with the girls. And all these shows make us feel that if only our reality were equally structured, everything would make more sense. 
and ultimately feel more satisfying. But in my world, you have nothing to fear. In The Truman Show, when Truman is reunited with the actor playing his father, whom Truman thought was dead, we see how Kristoff puts together the scene to maximize emotional intensity. Fade-up music. There's a sense of creating feeling and meaning the way movies do. And we might imagine that we'd also like in our own lives for the music to cue in at the perfect moment and for everything to feel perfectly cinematic. Reality TV, like the show Truman stars in, plays to our desire to map common narrative arcs onto our lives. Yet this is exactly what makes most reality TV so limited and derivative. How do you intend to explain his 22-year absence? Amnesia. Brilliant. Do we really want to reduce the events of our lives to fit a series of hackneyed one-size-fits-all cliches instead of opening our eyes to what's really happening to us and letting that potentially be an original thing? That's off-limits! Why? What's over there? Nothing. Dangerous, that's all. You've got to know your limitations, Truman. Perhaps the best argument against this kind of controlled reality is the fact that Truman, the guinea pig in the experiment of what it would be like to live totally inside one, isn't satisfied. Truman prefers his cell, as you call it. Well, that's where you're wrong. You're so wrong, and he'll prove you wrong. As soon as Truman starts to catch on to the truth, it's like he has a survivalist instinct to escape by any means necessary. Same road, no cars. It's magic. <laughs> Even long before he understands the situation, he instinctively feels he wants more out of life. You know, there are still islands in Fiji where no human being has ever set foot. Which is why his writers, slash captors, have to keep artificially devising ways to stop him from following his will to leave this bottled up world. I like to be an explorer, like the great Magellan. Oh, you're too late. There's really nothing left to explore. Thus, the movie essentially argues that any predetermined narrative controlling our lives is antithetical to the freedom of the life impulse itself. I want to get away, see some of the world, explore. The reason that Truman falls for Sylvia, despite her small role in his scripted story, is that she's not trying to dupe him like everyone else. Everything I've told you is the truth. Wait. Deep down, he recognizes an honesty in her that's missing in the rest of his life. Truman, he's lying. Get out of here. Don't worry. So his attraction suggests that even if we're oblivious to the facts, we have a subconscious understanding of what's real. See, they got rid of her, but they couldn't erase the memory. Following this instinct to chase after truth guides Truman in his journey toward breaking free from the artifice that's trapping him and making him unhappy. He was absolutely determined to discover the truth. There's no way we could prevent it. To be a true man or woman like Truman, we can't be contained by a scripted formula or by someone else's story. While most of us are not, as far as we know, literally in this character situation, like him, we tend to accept our society's norms and assumptions about the goals we should chase after. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. And like him, if we step outside that daily script, we might realize that there could be a more fulfilling, uncharted reality to go after. He was uh, curious or premature by two weeks. It was almost as if he couldn't wait to get started. At the end of the movie, Truman steps from his fake world into the great unknown. The viewers watching this within the movie are visibly moved. 
Perhaps on some level, it gives them hope that they too can break out of their own personal prisons. But with its very final lines, the movie also hints that many, both within the story and those watching the Truman Show itself, are likely to miss the message altogether. Reality TV is frequently about escaping our own lives and imagining what it would be like to be rich, famous, in love, or an amazing chef. In The Truman Show, viewers can retreat into a nostalgic past ideal of American life. And it's another beautiful day in paradise, folks. But don't forget to buckle up out there. Weir has said, quote, We studied Saturday evening post covers for this kind of dream of a small town America that may never have existed, but was certainly mythologized in movies and other media. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This idyllic old-school setting, in contrast to the modern technology that allows an audience to watch a live broadcast of someone's entire life, stands in for the fact that what we're often looking for, even within our newest media formats, is a myth of simpler times, simpler emotions, simpler messages. The world, the place you live in, is sick sea haven is the way the world should be the truman show suggests that the constant consumption of controlled reality tv style narratives is in fact a means of avoiding messy challenging confusing reality escaping into glibly packaged versions of others lives is a substitute for doing the hard work of living and seeking truth in our own that's why i love reality tv it's pure effortless entertainment the movie ends truman's story on an optimistic note giving him the hopeful ending he's earned but watching the film today, it's clear that it was issuing a serious warning to the rest of us. And that message may have gone right over our heads. So why would you want to go there? Because I never have. That's why people go places, isn't it? This is The Take. What do you want our take on next? I guess uh, <clears throat> let's see my videos, movie clips. Hmm. Try to warn you. Deleted scene. Comedy movie to watch when I'm bored. Apart from constant sound loss. Fanatic YouTube channel. I 
Mr. Popper's Penguins. 1976. Nineteen eighty. Oh, shit. Great sound. Landmark building. I don't think we can just start building a statue. Morning, Pippi. Mr. Popper. Contracts. I love the smell of toner in the morning. That's the pattern of printout and the person was purchasing the property from it, Stuart. Mr. Popper's Mr. Brennan. And you are? Pippi Papanopoulos. I'm Mr. Popper's personal assistant. I purchased this paper and I procured a periodical. She doesn't even know she's doing it. Pardon? Okay. You can go in. Mr. Popper, sorry to waste your time, but uh, I changed my mind. I'm not going to sell. I understand. Second thoughts are as valid as first thoughts. They just come later. It's just that this building is my last holding. And if I sell, then, then you're free. And that's the scary thing. Okay. I get it. Um. Doing any sailing this year? That's not it. The Truman Show. Breakdown. Ending explained. Easter eggs. Truman Show. Full movie. 27 videos. Um, Jim Carrey punished by Illuminati after exposing the industry. Let's check this out. Get this V-neck pullover for free with a twenty dollars <sighs> Two colors to choose from. Find your comfy and... For years now, talk show hosts, people on television, people in sitcoms have been hired by the government to distract you, to make you laugh, make you happy and docile so you don't know what's really going on. I'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies. I'm here tonight to blow the lid off it, to be the whistleblower. It is the secret symbol of the Illuminati. Jim Carrey has tried to expose the dark side of the industry. He's put his life at risk to give us hints on what to expect, like the Illuminati controlling our lives and forcing us into calculated narratives. Fans of Jim's claim that after he spoke out, they forced him to retire and to hide away. So let's get into it. I think we can all admit that Jim Carrey is an interesting man, and he's had some bizarre moments throughout his career. Yeah. There have been times where he has spoken about the industry and the so-called Illuminati, which has led fans to speculate whether Jim is trying to share what's really going on behind the scenes. Like in a moment during Fashion Week, where a reporter asked him, like, how are you doing, Jim Carrey? And he went on this tangent, saying that none of this matters. Like, I'm not, like, real. Like, nothing is going on here. And it really mm. rubbed people the 
wrong way because it seemed like he was completely discrediting like what he was attending and the fact that they were all like celebrities and that they are people of importance. To be honest, I think it's a good move when a celebrity acts humble because it makes them more likable. But Jim Carrey took it to a next level, which made it seem like he was trying to expose something else. Uh, you know, there's no meaning to any of this. So I, uh, I wanted to find the most meaningless thing that I could come to and join. And, uh, and, uh, and here I am. They're I mean, you gotta admit, it's completely meaningless. Well, they say they're celebrating icons inside. Celebrating icons. icons. Boy, that is just the absolute lowest aiming, you know, possibility that we could come up with. It's like icons. What do you, do you believe in icons? I don't I believe in personalities. I don't believe that you exist, but there is a, a wonderful fragrance in the air. You don't believe certain icons have the power to make change, to think differently, to be bold, to inspire others? Artistry? You're one of them. On the good foot. Ha! Yeah. You shut it down now. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I don't believe in icons. Uh, I don't believe in personalities. I believe that peace lies beyond personality, beyond invention and disguise, beyond the red S that you wear on your chest that makes bullets bounce off. I believe that it's deeper than that. I believe we're a field of energy dancing for itself. Now, maybe Jim is getting all spiritual, talking about his energies, and that we're all just energy in the world, but it doesn't feel that way. I want to go off on a little tangent, but I remember learning about Satanism, and Satanism is all about, like, self-worship. That's essentially the basis of it, from my understanding. And the way that he's speaking about, like, the icons and things like that, it kind of reminds me of, like, how in their, I guess, beliefs, they like to self-worship. And trying to, I guess, like, present yourself as an icon is, you know, somewhat sort of like that. I don't want to like go and just like jump to a conclusion here, but the way that he is speaking on it, I mean, I'm sure his PR manager was freaking out behind the scenes. You got really dressed up for the occasion. You look good. No, I was didn't that an accident? I didn't get dressed Who up. Who did? There is no me. There's no you. No. We're not here. This is a dream. There's just things happening. And there are clusters of tetrahedrons moving around together. Okay. Yeah. So what's happening in our world right now? Because there is a lot of news that actually is relevant that's not that Here's uplifting. Here's the thing. It's not our world. None that's of this is key. real? Nope. nope. So you're just happy We don't matter. Out. We don't matter. Oh, wow. There's the good news. Okay. Honestly, good job to that reporter because I don't know if I would be able to handle him that well because he is kind of speaking a bunch of nonsense and really, I mean, do you think she wants to hear his story? Probably not. She's just there to, you know, ask these questions. She doesn't really have a great answer to him about what the world is and why it doesn't matter. Though this moment went viral and he had to answer for it. And he went on to say that he's really just speaking about the characters that he plays and his life as an actor, saying that you have this separation between yourself and the role you play. And essentially, like, he doesn't even believe Jim Carrey is a person. It's like another character that he's playing, which almost kind of sounds like a little bit like personality it, i don't i don't want to again jump the gun and say like personality disorder but like i mean you know that these actors use method acting a lot of the times and it can mess with their mental health putting themselves in these positions he talks about how himself jim carrey 
they gave him a name. They gave him a religion, a nationality, and they gave him these like characteristics and then just put him out there. Quote, I believe that I got famous so I could let go of fame and still it's happening, but not with me. I'm not a part of it anymore. Dressing happens, doing hair happens, interviewing happens, but it happens without me, without the idea of me. A lot of you guys at home are probably like, okay, wait, hold up. Translation, what are you talking about? Well, this person left a comment. Jim is a human being and was fed up playing the roles he's been assigned in the world of Hollywood. I worked in camera for over two decades on films and it can be soul crushing work in this environment. Imagine millions of people idolizing and projecting this perfect idea of who they think these actors are. He knows he isn't that person and he's saying don't put me on a pedestal. I don't want to fall that far. And maybe he's talking about fame in general that he doesn't want to become that person where he's so sucked into it that it's just not even real anymore. Which I think is kind of refreshing to see from one of the biggest celebrities. Another person commented, absolute genius. She wasn't clever enough to follow his words. Another person writes, he's not crazy. I know some people like to write him off saying he's crazy or a loon. Jim is not crazy. Jim is speaking straight facts. Another comment, he has the balls to speak the absolute truth and she looks at him like he's crazy. If she only took a moment. How do you take 20,000 children in the middle of New York City without anybody seeing? a moment to listen to what he said instead of trying to manipulate the conversation, she would see that he is more sane than anyone else at this function. So obviously that red carpet clip can be interpreted many different ways, but there was a moment on national television where he brought up the Illuminati and there's no denying that he's talking about this group. So Jim went on to Jimmy Kimmel and he walked onto stage with the Illuminati triangle right there out in the open trying to show everyone what it's about. The crowd was of course screaming. We don't know they're screaming because of Jim Carrey or because of the symbol and like you know saying it actually in real life put him to our face I mean we see the triangles all the time secretly but he just wanted the entire world to know and to talk about it and to be honest if it is a real group I wonder what the ramifications would be for Jim going on national TV and making a mockery of it Okay, that is awkward, even for Jim Carrey. And of course, Jimmy Kimmel had his questions asking like, what is that? And then Jim Carrey tried to play dumb saying, you know what it is. And again, alluding to the secret group that maybe Jimmy Kimmel is also a part of. But when you watch this clip, keep in mind, what is in it for Jim Carrey? What is the purpose of him just going on national TV and trying to bring this up and calling out other show hosts saying that they don't know the symbol, so why are they playing dumb? Is that a gang sign? Have you, uh... Oh, like, you don't know what it is. You don't know what that is. I have no idea. Oh, you don't know. Jimmy Fallon doesn't know. David Letterman doesn't know. Well, we don't know. All the comics and show business don't know what this is. 
right? Now, there is one thing I don't get about Jim Carrey's hand gesture is why his tongue is involved. Typically, the triangle has an eye in the middle, so it would be a little bit more like this, not like that. But the symbol represents the Illuminati, which is a hidden governing force which has ties to today's biggest industries. Illuminati references have become common throughout Hollywood as seen in a number of films, TV shows, music videos, and even live performances. After Jimmy Kimmel continues to deny what Jim Carrey is doing, he finally reveals himself. Jim Carrey says, come on Jimmy, I'm here to blow the whistle off this whole thing. I'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies. It's the secret symbol of the Illuminati, and you're a part of it. And really, I'm sure Jimmy Kimmel was caught off guard because I'm almost certain this was not part of the conversation they planned. Yeah, what is it? Come on, Jimmy. Seriously, the time is up. People are hip to this kind of stuff. I, I'm here tonight to blow the lid off it, to be the whistleblower. I'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies. It is the secret symbol of the Illuminati, and you're a part of it, and it is a, the all-mocking tongue. It's hard to take Jim Carrey seriously, and to be honest, watching this, it just seems kind of like a bit, like the Illuminati, and he's acting all wild and crazy, and maybe this could be like, I don't know, if he was part of them and trying to work for them, it could be discrediting it and like making it a joke, opposed to something which a lot of people would look at as serious. For years now, talk show hosts, people on television, people in sitcoms have been hired by the government to throw you off the track, to distract you, to make you laugh and stuff like that, make you happy and docile so you don't know what's really going on. And what Jim Carrey is describing there is something that I think we are actually familiar with because we have seen how the media works and how they pick and choose what they want us to pay attention to. He reveals that the Illuminati is trying to turn the masses into consumer drones, after which he receives a fake phone call and then he answers. We watch his face immediately turn serious as Jimmy Kimmel asks who it is. So um, <laughs> it seems like... It almost seems like, again, a bit that he's trying to make it seem like he just got in trouble and just got a call from his boss. It's buzzing. Hold on. They're trying to turn us into, you know, uh, you know, consumer drones of some sort. Hold on. I just got to get this. And, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm in the middle of blowing the lid off some... Uh... <laughs> what happened? I'm sorry, Jimmy. I was temporarily interrupted by my iPhone... Six plus. That's a big one, huh? Five point five heads up HD display. <laughs> I think what I was really trying to say was I think people will enjoy Dumb and Dumber this weekend. And that is what I thought you were about. They should all go to the theater. They should all go to the theater tomorrow and see it. Because we could use a good laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, honestly, am I the only one that doesn't really think he's that funny? I mean, ugh. I've seen some of his older movies, and yeah, his acting, but like this is just giving, like, it's where you're just acting awkward, and the awkwardness is what 
is funny, not actually the words itself. Now, a lot of people had reactions to his performance on Jimmy Kimmel. A lot of people showed their support for Jim Carrey and admired him for speaking out. But one commenter also alleged that the producers of the show added in laugh tracks, but in reality, the studio was completely silent during Jim's appearance. So essentially, this person is saying that Jim Carrey came onto the show and people were not applauding like you guys just heard. The producers had to add in those laugh tracks, which maybe a lot of those people had the same reaction I did. Like, I just didn't really think it was funny. Another person wrote this. This is why he's still alive after trying to tell the world, telling everyone while staying in character and letting people laugh about it. This man is a genius. Another person writes, the scary thing about being a comedian actor as big and as talented as Jim is that no one takes you seriously. And if they do, it's some tragedy that's happened to you. Jim was exposing so much truth to both the audience and those at home and everyone just laughed and clapped. It's truly scary. But this person then went on to edit their comment and mentioned that there was no laughter because the laughter was edited in. So when you're hearing him talk about how like, you know, the world is controlling our thought process. Well, you know, it seems like they, the producers were trying to make it seem like we should be laughing at home with him. Another person writes, I can see Jimmy's face and he knows and he's trying to appear aloof. But someone seeing that for the first time would have at least have a micro expression showing discomfort and confusion, as well as secondhand embarrassment, which he did not have. What Jim says is true and it's a scary truth. Now, because there was a lot of controversy from his segment on Jimmy Kimmel, he kind of went silent for a bit and fans were worried that he went silent because of this interview. Jim put out a statement saying that he had retired, but fans speculated that he did not retire because he wanted to, but he did because this Illuminati forced him to after him speaking out. And I'm sure Jim would appreciate having more of a quiet life. I mean, he has been in the industry for so long, and if he is so, like, overwhelmed by this dark force, then he probably should, like, get out of it. I mean, it would be nice to expose it first, but he claims he's investing in his spiritual life. He's painting. He likes, you know, the quietness. He doesn't like the celebrity. So he said he's done enough and he's enough at this point. But fans speculate that he was pushed out of Hollywood for exposing the Illuminati based on what happened. We've seen people like Kanye West, who is also very outspoken, say that the Illuminati, they sacrifice people like his mother. There are people who are controlled by the Illuminati. Out in Hollywood, a lot of people come up missing. It feels like it might be a lot of that in order to control and to traumatize. Kanye also said they can control Shaq, they can control Charles Barkley, they can control LeBron James, Jay-Z, Beyonce, but they cannot control me. So Kanye is saying that the Illuminati works kind of like a cult does, kind of like that church that we sometimes talk about, but we can't really talk about, where they constantly traumatize members of this group to keep them in there and to keep them weak and powerless but i want to hear what you guys think in the comments below do you believe in what jim is saying here and here's my email if you have any other video ideas for me until next time i'll see you in a new one soon bye guys That was on Sloan.
says, I truly believe him. I'm glad there are people out there that see him. People saying he's crazy kills me. He will always and forever be my favorite actor. Calling someone crazy is always the easiest way to dismiss someone and dismantle everything they say. It's genius. Genius. Yeah, he's trying to warn us. Change our life in 2024. Truman Show, full movie. Not the full movie. Just clips. Of Epic of Humanity by Billy Carson, Matthew Lacroix. But there's a second part of it. What's up, what's up? Billy Carson here, a.k.a. Forbidden Knowledge. I have a very, very special guest tonight. A very good friend of mine and a co-best-selling author of the Epic of Humanity. His name is Matthew LaCroix. In my personal opinion, he's one of the greatest, and I do mean one of the greatest people in the world right now working in ancient texts, tablets, scriptures, papyruses, cylinder scrolls, and ancient civilizations in the world. And when I tell you something like that, you have to pay attention. Without further ado, I'm going to bring on Matthew LaCroix. What's up, Matt? Can you hear me okay? Yes, a little low, a little bit low, but I can turn you, uh, yes, a little bit low. Not that low, but just a little bit more if you can bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Is that better? Um, it's oh. about the same level. Let me just bring up the sound here. I'm just playing with this mic here. Ah, here we go. Here we Is go. that better? Yeah, you can bring it down to a tiny bit now. Okay. Okay, how's that? All right, cool. You're here. All right, great. Welcome to the Forbidden Knowledge Podcast. Great. How do I sound? Is that better? Yeah, you sound good awesome. now, man. You sound awesome. good look good. Perfect. Okay, Excellent. thanks so much. I really appreciate the kind words, Billy. Likewise, my brother, you are one of the most wise sages of our, our current reality here in this epic of ancient texts and the nature of reality. And so it's an honor to write that uh, the epic of humanity with you um, and sit down and talk about it. So and also yeah. thank you to everyone who is joining us. Uh, it's really quite a monumental occasion, actually, to put yes. together the greatest the greatest amount of excerpts from ancient texts all from all walks of life around the ancient world all together in one place and what can that do when someone implies oh, applies those teachings into their life right exactly so we're talking about the book the epic of humanity if you don't have a copy yet you need to get a copy i have great news matthew um all the pre-orders that had gone out over the last year before the book actually got released are all autographed and all shipped Everyone's book has been shipped to them who was on pre-order. And so uh, 
everyone who, you know, the sacrifice that they made for that pre-order waiting and waiting, they got an autographed book from the both of us. Enjoy that, because that's just the beginning. I think we're going to have, Billy, is there also like a hard co cover coming, copy coming with a color yeah, photos? Yeah, there's a, a limited edition full color hard cover is also coming, and we'll be doing some book signings as well. We'll announce those dates very soon also. Yeah, and for anyone who's seen, you know, has the current version right now with the black and white version, it's it's really amazing. But also, if you're willing to go that extra mile, those images in color that I've seen on, like Billy showed me the the PDF before, they're so crisp and beautiful that I truly believe the hard cover is going to be something that we can aspire to also to have in our library. I'm, I'm certainly going to have it in my library, Billy. Oh, for sure, without a doubt. And I'd like to give them a sneak peek at uh, Amazon. Before we get into our deep talk, tonight we're going to do a deep talk. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about the Epic of Humanity. We're going to go into some of these ancient tablets and texts tonight. So if you want to know about the Anunnaki, you want to hear about ancient civilizations, you're in the right place. Uh, but of course, we're going to get the shameless plugs out of the way in the beginning. <laughs> I want to share my screen real, real quick, Matt. And I want to show everyone the Amazon page real quick. All right. And so, as you can see, the Epic of Humanity, it's, first of all, it is a bestseller. It is a bestseller in three categories, ancient Mesopotamian history, Assyrian history, as well as prehistory. And as you know, Matthew, it also hit number 50 out of 32.5 million books in the entire Amazon catalog. It hit number 50 on the bestsellers list, which is amazing. It's just phenomenal. I remember seeing that number, you know, and then yeah. we didn't necessarily have it forever, but we had that number. Um, yeah. because that's absolutely phenomenal if you think about the percentage wise and how you can boost up to that many people getting their eyes on ancient spiritual teachings and all these things. It's it's quite um I think it's actually really profound to see how humanity is now coming full circle and wants and is like eager for that knowledge and that uh, yeah. deeper introspection rather than all the materialistic, like empty, flashy things and celebrities and the things mm -hmm. that, that before we're, we're shifting our focus now where the cool people are not just necessarily the ones who, you know, are like True. flashy and don't have anything to say. They're now the ones that have substance that are like embodying people to like follow this higher path. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes, no doubt. You hit it right on the head, man being smart, being intelligent, being well-researched, well-traveled, all those things now is the new sexy. <laughs> so exactly. we're both That's sexy, man. <laughs> right? Being knowledgeable. And knowledgeable, yes, absolutely. And what I love about the book is we had some really great reviews from some people that we both revere at very high level, okay? So before we get into the talk tonight in the podcast, I just want to read uh, a couple of these reviews for the people. The first review comes from Paul Wallace, best-selling author Paul Wallace of the Eden series, Eden Conspiracy series, and he's also the host on uh, and, and the owner of um, Fifth Kind TV on YouTube. He says, in their bold interrogation of the world's most ancient text, Billy Carson and Matthew LaCroix have fearlessly peeled back the pages of time to bring us deeper layers of information, information which, if we take it seriously, defies everything we thought we knew about the origins and potential of human beings. If you are ready to have your deepest assumptions challenged, this epic journey is the one you won't want to miss. Paul Wallace, Fifth Thank Kind you, TV. Paul. Thank you, Paul. A really great yeah. review, Paul. 
And I'll read one from Brian Forster. To me, the world leader in megalithic structures. All right. My congratulations to Matthew LaCroix and Billy Carson on the publishing of their new book, The Epic of Humanity. In it, they delve into the increasing evidence that ancient megalithic sites in many parts of the world were created long before the standard academic timeline of human civilizations being at most 6,000 years old. Ice cores, oral traditions, and ancient scripts tell us that prior to the end of the last ice age, very advanced technological people created astonishing works in stone and different locations that were later inherited by cultures who repurposed them for their own needs. Matthew and Billy are helping to rewrite human history and to connect errors, correct errors that standard academia has either ignored or dismissed. A brave effort and well worth reading and digesting. Brian Forster, hiddenincatores.com. Thank you, Brian. It almost like sums up the book really well, too, actually, with every reading. Yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt. And so let's start by telling them a little bit, before we get into it, a little bit about how we came up with the idea for the book, if you want to lead us into that, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's amazing now being where we are and looking back at where it began. Um, yeah. it's, it's quite a profound journey, actually, because it really started with um, very humble beginnings of not really... You know, you were you were somewhat like well known then, but I was pretty much like a nobody. I had I had the stage of time up my second book, and people liked it, but largely I was still was very unknown. And I remember you you flew out to this is about three and a half years ago. You got on a plane, you flew out to Maine, and we sat on at this beautiful spot where this uh, ledge sticks out with a lighthouse called Portland Head Light in Maine. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting there, and actually you didn't come there for any reason that we're about to talk about at all you actually came there to do some filming for a show on your network with me and so we were just having lunch and we we're talking and i remember being like yeah i was like uh you know billy i had this idea i've been thinking about for a while you know and it was one of those things that came to me i was like you and i always do these shows where we bounce off each other we talk about ancient texts and all these ancient things and i felt I was like what if we come together to collaborate on an epic project to actually tell the epic, not E-P-O-C-H, but E-P-I-C, as in this incredible chronological order of like a timeline, but more of like if we were to watch a movie of our story. If we were to like sit down in a movie theater and get some popcorn and be like, all right, let's watch the epic of humanity. What is that going to be like, look like? And that's what we're trying to do in this book is take all the evidence, take all these pieces and put it together in a way where it's like this ancient time capsule of history. And so I had that idea, and I, I, said, I said, Billy, like, what do you think? I, what if we call yeah. it the epic of humanity, and we each write chapters in an order where we lead up to where we are now and even project on, and we mm-hmm. actually tell that story in a way where people can read that, and they yeah. can think we all have the most incredible story ever told. And I want to mm-hmm. be a part of that in the, in the greatest way possible. And that's the empowering aspect of this. And Billy looked at me and he goes, he goes, let's do it. And he never looked back. And ever since then, we uh, were writing and talking about ideas and how we'd structure it. And, and here we are, like three and a half years later. And it's, it really is an amazing book. And I'm, I'm very proud of, to, to write it with you, Billy. Yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. And it was a great trip I took up to Maine. We did that amazing podcast. You took me out to this island, like this secret yeah. island in, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it took us a couple hours to get there, but then we sat down, we set up our cameras and our mics on the beach, and we did a great podcast about the myth of Adapa, an ancient right. tablet 
which is powerful. I mean, it's still one of the greatest podcasts we've ever done. Um, but, you know, from that time and just catching up to getting this writing done and getting it all complete and finally seeing, you know, this, this work of art that we've got. Because one thing that I, you know, that I really, it, it really amazes me about writing a book. First of all, both of us have to do the research and spend the time and the countless hours, the blood, you know, and, and the tears and the years and all the energy it takes into getting into this information and really digesting it and being able to wrap our minds around it and break it down to where the average person can understand it. Yeah. And then the second part is to cultivate those thoughts into something. Now, when you're thinking about how to write this, it's all up here in the multidimensional platform, right? It's in the thought processes, which is multidimensional. But then We've got to collapse that into 2D, into two dimensions, with the, which is in this book, you know, one and 2D, lines and, and boxes and connecting lines. And so you take really complex thoughts from cultivated over that have been cultivated over many decades of time and energy and effort and research, and you collapse that data into a one and 2D format that somebody can actually buy and get delivered. And when they open up the book, they now have a stream uploading directly to their mind. And it's reconverted into multidimensional thought process that came. Hey there, what's up? Just looking into Kate Middleton. Um, or the, what is she, the princess or something? Princess Kate. She's in the hospital for two weeks. And I went to Cora and people, first of all, people were saying, Mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> Mind your fucking business, and then your fucking business. Like the, you want to protect her, protect her privacy. She's uh, no, that's the that's what you you give up your privacy when you become famous like that. Apparently, so, anyway, so that it's uh being kept under wraps. They did confirm, she confirmed she didn't have cancer. And uh, someone was saying, on Cora. Cora's pretty good, I think, to find answers to stuff. So I'm saying that since having a hysterectomy is an outpatient procedure now, that a two-week hospital stay would probably not be it. So it might be like a gallbladder so it's some kind of abdominal cancer. So I'm going to ask what type of what type of surgical procedure takes 2 weeks to recover. Um abdominal Female hernia, femoral, femoral hernia, umbilical hernia, cholecystectomy, laparoscopic, 44 more rows. So these are all the kinds of surgeries she might have to like, uh, well, it needs to be abdominal, kind of.
Here is information from CPD for general practitioners. Um, laparoscopic. Recurrent inguinal hernia. Large umbilical or incisional hernia. Yeah, maybe she has a hernia, but it's hard to imagine she does any lifting. Epigastric hernia, femoral hernia, umbilical hernia, colostectomy, laparoscopic fundoplication, laparoscopic bowel resection, major laparectomy, gastrectomy, gastrectomy, or nasophagastrectomy for malignancy. As she said, it's not cancer. Um, ulceration, appendicectomy, laparoscopy, it was just like, okay, um, right hemicolectomy with no end-to-end, -end, with end-to-end -end anastomosis, left hemicolectomy, defunctioning stoma closure, perennial excision of rectum with permanent colostomy, anal verge hematoma, Thrombos internal <laughs> hemorrhoids, hemorrhoidectomy, yeah, hemorrhoidectomy. That would be a reason why <laughs> she wouldn't want to uh, want people to know. Anal fissure, primary suture, secondary intention, anal fistula. Small little dressing required, uh, abdomen, abdominoplasty, lung resection, unilateral varicose veins, renal transplant. Holy shit. Alright. So those are some things. And, uh, King Charles has an enlarged prostate. That's why he was in there. According to ABC News, soon after the announcement of Kate's hospitalization, oh. Buckingham Palace said that Charles will undergo a corrective procedure for an enlarged prostate next week. Palace said the king's condition is benign. For enlarged prostate. So they, yeah, they killed off uh, Princess Diana. She knew she, they were going to kill her. She wrote about how they're just going to kill her in a car. I wonder what's going on with uh, Princess Prince Princess William. <laughs> Funny name, mm -hmm. Princess William. <laughs> These days, Center Poles finally investigated that little motherfucker.
Freaking Caesar. Wonder if Bill Clinton's still in Mexico. <laughs> Hindustan Times, Bill Clinton spotted smiling in Mexico hours before being named in Epstein list. Epstein, these are the video titles. Epstein files released while Bill Clinton hides in Mexico. Three of seven project verified. Did, did former President Clinton give billions in loans? Bill Clinton dumbfounded by Donald Trump's visit to Mexico. <laughs> ABC, no, that's 2016. 2019, one week ago. Um, that's weird that the Hindustan Times and New York Post have almost the identical headline. Clinton and California Governor Newsom seen vacationing in Mexico. Gavin Newsom and Clinton were together. Wow. Um, Daily Mail under fire. Bill Clinton escaped furor over the latest revolution. Bill and Hillary Clinton. So both the Clintons and Gavin Newsom in small Mexican town, a Mexican resort. Wonder why Governor Newsom's there, maybe just to make it seem like, oh, it's just a vacation. <laughs> Daily Mail, Times Now, Britannica, enjoys Mexican, uh, TMZ, but Clinton enjoys Mexican resort, after named, with Gavin Newsom, after named an Epstein document, so, so now Gavin Newsom's name is tied to that skeezer, although, you know, it's too bad. Too bad Bill Clinton turned out to be such a fucking skeezer. Horn dog. Um, you know. Ah! Hormone victim. Let's see, uh, foreign policy for the globalists. I thought he was a really good president. And, you know, he, he uh, smart guy. You know, he's a smart guy. But apparently he was in the CIA. He was 
with the CIA. That's probably why he became, he was able to become president. With, I just heard this recently because, and it totally makes sense because of the trafficking. He was involved in coke trafficking with the CIA that was landing in a base in Arkansas and the pilot got caught and spilled the beans. He was ready for the CIA and that was involving Clinton. Let's see here. So that was the New York Post and Hindustan Times. See how different their their articles are. If there's any information in the Hindustan Times, this is not the first time I've seen Hindustan Times pop up. Bill Clinton spotted smiling, greeting passers-by in Mexico hours before being named in Jeffrey Epstein list. What's the source, anyway? By Simanti Sen. Simbizing. This is January 5. It was named among many other prominent people. Seventy-seven-year-old former president was seen visiting San Miguel de Allende, a city in the central Mexico state of Gua Guanajuato. Mayor Mauricio Tinoporesco shared a photo of Clinton on X, captioning it. Even Bill Clinton walks calmly, safely through the streets of San Miguel de Allende. Clinton was seen strike, shaking hands with a pass with passerby. While having coffee. The first he was named in the Epstein list. The first set of documents related to Epstein named the former president among many others, including Epstein once told one of his victims that Clinton liked them young to young girls. Document includes details of testimony by Johanna Seberg, who alleged she was recruited as a massage therapist at the age of 20. She was recruited on a college campus and had no massage training. Jen testified Jeffrey told her Clinton likes them young, referring to girls. She also testified that she was naked for 20-50% of all massages. She added that Epstein made her perform sexual acts during massages as per the document. Meanwhile, 19 documents from a lawsuit connected to pedophile Jeffrey Epstein were publicly released on Friday, January 5, the second batch of documents to be un unsealed.
One of the newly released documents revealed that an email that Virginia Jeffrey sent to a journalist in May 2011 suggested that Clinton asked Vanity Fair not to publish articles about his good friend Epstein. <laughs> According to Sky News, Jeffrey in the email expressed her concern over what the magazine might write about her upcoming book. It does concern me what they could want to write about me, she wrote, considering B. Clinton walked into BF and threatened them not to write sex trafficking articles about his good friend J.E. Vanity Fair? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, if he's writing stories about his good friend Jeffrey Epstein, then, um, I'm not going to write about him. Jeffrey Epstein probably said, hey man, better pull something. Went. An email but that Virginia Jeffrey sent to a journalist in May 2011. What about, uh, why isn't Trump, why isn't fucking Trump uh, rounded up? Jeffrey Epstein's old flight log showing trips by Presidents Clinton and Trump resurface. Took trip. Yeah, why isn't that fun? Jeffrey Epstein introduced me to Trump at 14. Jislyn Maxwell, accuser, says. One of the four women who say they were groomed for sex by Jislyn Maxwell testified Wednesday they had Epstein, that Epstein took her to meet. This is NBC News. That's 2021. Jeffrey Epstein's visits to Mar Lardo detailed. Newsweek has summarized Jeffrey Epstein's relationship with Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lardo resort following the release of a trove. Okay, that sounds interesting. That's Newsweek. Economic Times, Jeffrey Epstein case, Donald Trump, Bill Clinton traveled on Lolita Express. That's January 2. Some of the people who traveled on the famous private jet. Pilot testifies to Clinton, Trump, 
Prince Andrew. Who's who? Powerful men. Perjury traitor Green attacks Bill Clinton's Jeffrey Epstein's ties ignores Trump's force. Um, got called out for social me on social media for disparaging the Democratic ex-president while ignoring the sex offenders. He's a fucking convicted rapist. Jeffrey Epstein documents latest claims made against Clinton and Prince Andrew. Okay, let's go back to the other one. Let's buy Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh, 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 Let's go get the CNN. Um, it's November 2021. The who's who of powerful men, including former presidents Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, flew aboard Epstein's private plane, pilot Larry Vysocki, Vysocki, said he would typically be given notice if Clinton or high-profile passengers like him would be flying. He recalled renowned violinist Itzig Perlman flew to Michigan with Epstein for the Interlochen Center of the Arts summer camp. He said he remembered Prince Andrew, Maine Senator George Mitchell, Ohio Senator John Glenn, and actor Kevin Spacey on flights. He also said he'd fly Epstein to Columbus, Ohio, where Epstein also had property to see billionaire businessman Les Wexner. Epstein referred to Wexner as his client, but Wasowski said he believed them to be friends as well. Columbus, Ohio. Prosecution links Jislin to Jeffrey Epstein while defense issues being blamed for his actions. She was his madam. None of the high profile passage ships, which she did like 10 years. None of the high profile passengers were mentioned, and she should be, she, you know, she um, sent girls to his room, literally. She procured them, she vetted them, she, um, she was a madam. I called her madam. In 2002 and 3, Clinton took a total of four trips on Jeffrey Epstein's plane, one to Europe, one to Asia, and two to Africa. She could stops in connection with the work of the Clinton Foundation. Clinton spokesman Angel Urena said in 2019. Sosky's testimony came on the second day of Maxwell's federal trial on charges of conspiracy and sex trafficking. Trial is likely to provide a glimpse into the enigmatic life of Epstein and eliminate some of his connections to high-profile figures like Clinton, Trump, Bill Gates, Prince Andrew. Epstein was found dead in his prison cell shortly after his arrest on sex trafficking charges in 2019.
medical examiner later determined the cause of death to be suicide by hanging. Actually, no, it was found that he, he was strangled. But I don't think that was him, actually. I think he used his, what he knew, to have somebody substituted for him and, and to leave. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was Trump, actually. Trump was president. And he's on the list. <coughs> Epstein was found dead. Um, yeah, Maxwell, the British socialite, and Epstein's close confidant was the partners. They called themselves partners. Was arrested a year after and has pleaded not guilty to six charges, including conspiracy and sex trafficking. Opening statements Monday, prosecutors said Maxwell and Epstein created a pyramid scheme of abuse to lure underage ed girls into sexual relationships with Epstein. Yes, fucking massage. Just massage for him. Make sure, make sure that you do everything that make, make, you know, he wants. Was what Gislin told him, told the girls. 13, 14 year olds. Her defense, meanwhile, said she was a scapegoat for Epstein's actions. Attacked the memories and motivations of the women who say they were sexually abused. Pilot says he never saw any sexual activity. Sosky testified by his experiences. Beginning in 91, Maxwell frequently traveled with them. They often facilitate travel plans. Maxwell was Epstein's number two. It was his go-to person, go-to person to handle everything else that was not business-related. More personal than business-like, but more couple. Ish. Than actually romantic. He didn't remember seeing them kiss or hold hands. He said. Logging the names of all passengers on Epstein's private flights was not a priority. They tried their best to be accurate. For international flights, he had to report an accurate passenger log, he said. Didn't know a passenger's name. He'd notate the passenger by their gender, he said. Tuesday, Bosowski testified about his memories of minor victim one who said, as prosecution prosecutors have alleged, that she met Epstein and Maxwell at the prestigious arts camps where 
Palpatine was a benefactor for years. Testified Epstein introduced him to Jane on his plane before it took them from Palm Beach sometime in the 90s. Sasuke said, you remember she appeared at the time to be a mature woman with piercing powder blue eyes. However, he testified across examining that he couldn't be sure she actually flew on the flight or who else was there. Maxwell's defense questioned whether Jane ever flew on Epstein's plane. Can't visualize her sitting in the passenger compartment, Michael would say. President Clinton, it was so long ago. A true first name was notated on flight logs for three flights. But acknowledged on cross-examination that Epstein had an assistant bearing the same first name and without a last name log, he couldn't be sure who it was. When asked on cross-examination, Vysotsky said he didn't know the ages of passengers he flew out, but he never thought there to be underage girls aboard as far as he could tell. Never saw any sexual activity, no. Absolutely not. Testified he never saw sex toys, used condoms, or clothes strewn about, strewn about in Epstein planes, nor any indication sexual activity took place on the planes. Cockpit door would be closed during flight, but Epstein would sometimes introduce his guests to Vysotsky before takeoff. Testified Epstein also invited pilots to pass freely. Through the cabins to use the restroom or get coffee during flights. He also said he wasn't instructed by anyone as to how she should interact with passengers or other staff members. Kept passenger manifests and flight logs for every night he flew and would drop off the records to Epstein's office every day every so often without keeping copies for himself. He'd given the records to an assistant, but not typically Maxwell. Maxwell had nothing to do with the passenger manifests. Epstein paid for his two daughters' education through college and gifted him acreage at the New Mexico ranch where Vysotsky built himself a home. Pilot noted it was Epstein's practice to pay for the schooling of all his employees' children because he valued higher education. He also acknowledged signing a non-disclosure agreement as a part of his employment. <coughs> Paul Walter dies at age 29. Sean Barber. What happened to him? He who smelt it, dealt it. So voila.